Boca gets celebrated and Arthur Burns gets panned. It's context. It's context. I totally agree. Absolutely agree. And by the way, Volker does not get celebrated for me. I think he was the worst of the central bankers, but... I love the people who, who simultaneously bemoan the U.S. leaving the gold standard, which he was instrumental in, will then turn around and point to him as the greatest of the central bankers for hiking interest rates in a totally inappropriate fashion to fight inflation that he himself was creating in the late 1970s. By the way, the fact that we have Jerome Powell doing almost exactly the same thing to a claim from almost the exact same people, right, who want to believe that the answer is some form of punishment for our sins, that we engaged in manipulation of the interest rates by taking them too low from the period of 2008 until 2020. Now we need to engage in the reverse sin, but it doesn't really feel like the reverse sin to them because this is totally normal. And let's it's give them a Nobel Prize. Yeah, let's make them a Nobel yeah, Laureate. Let's give them a Nobel Prize. Housing market, housing market, 2007, 2000. I see no problem in the housing market. That's yeah. a Nobel laureate. The great irony though, Hugh, is, is that there really wasn't anything wrong with the housing market. There was something terribly wrong with the financing market, the mortgage market. Particularly Morgan pulled Correct. collateral from the system. The, Correct. And, you're, Correct. and it's always collateral. The 70s inflation, I, in my interpretation of the 70s inflation, first of all, inflation is a monetary phenomenon. It needs the manifestation, the, the rise and rise of, it's like you've got to pump air or you've got to pump that dollar air into the fictional wallet, which is because the outflow is all this, all these goods and services, which are, if they're rising 10% a year, then you need 10% more dollars going in. Right? And what they were neglecting was the dollar creation from the overseas community is what I call the non-sovereign euro dollar creation, which was not bounded by regulation, wasn't bounded by minimum capital standards, and was feeling frisky. And I was going, oh, <laughs> this is a license to print money. And the Fed, being a domestic banking regulator, just didn't seem to be aware of it. And for, so to my mind, the and of course, it was Brazil was the China back then, but the massive and emerging markets used to be all about Latin America. And we used to talk about, we used to talk about, oh, those, Brazil, the future. Yeah. Brazil, and those, the country of the future and always will be. Yes. No, remember. Know, again, people just beware because Mike and I have been there, done it. Cultural positive prejudice or otherwise, but it was those Mexicans, they just work damn hard. They're different yeah. from us. They're real worker. It's the same thing I hear now with the Asians. They just save more. No, it's a contrivance. It's contextual. Anyway, yep. the so Mike, the ETFs, and because you've had a lot to say about the vanguards and stuff, you just said intrinsically for the real folk, making an allocation, dollar averaging, not paying the rent seekers too much, um, you support and you applaud that. So wh where do you get to the point where you then go, yeah, but where's your but? Yeah. So the but, unfortunately, is in a dynamic of the tragedy of the commons, right? So under the framework that exists in which I can't turn around and say, hey, you should be really paying active managers for tremendous amounts of alpha, right? Under the model that I operate in which Passive contributes to this bias towards momentum. It contributes towards this bias towards large cap stocks because of fundamental misunderstandings 
about frictions that are created between differences in market capitalization and liquidity. And anyone who wants to review any of the stuff that I talk about, there's an incredible literature that is beginning to be developed that very clearly says the entire idea behind the efficient market hypothesis and the information flow model is fundamentally and deeply flawed, right? You can refer to Gabay and Koijin, you can refer to the work of Bouchaud, et cetera. These are all, the literature is exploding even as the world is dominated by 1950s, 1960s thinking in terms of the institutional infrastructures that are offered to people. If my theories are correct, and there's a big if around that, although again, the academic literature and the behavior is moving in my direction, then the really important implication is that derivatives are mispriced in that model, right? That the tools that are used for the creation and construction of derivatives are actually fundamentally mispriced. That's the exciting opportunity for me. That's where I'm focused in terms of the opportunity set and the ability to include those in products that are offered to retail gives me the opportunity to position myself and my investors, whether they've been long-term investors or short-term investors in many of this stuff to benefit from these types of dynamics. The problem is if I'm right, the entire S&P looks very much like the behavior of the XIV, the inverse VIX ETF. What happened in 2017, as that went up and up, people became increasingly confident, exactly as you're describing, that is a riskless entity. NVIDIA higher and higher has a feedback loop in which people assume that this is more and more of a foregone conclusion that the success lies with NVIDIA. Right? That's actually being created by a mismatch in the liquidity dynamics where the largest buyers of NVIDIA are actually the BlackRocks and Vanguards who apply no thought process to it, simply following it on a market cap weighted basis. Them As the market cap goes higher, they allocate more and more of the marginal capital. Yeah, And other people follow along with that because they do want to be involved with the future. We yeah. all want to own land in central Rome. What stops it? What What's the jack which knocks it? What always stops these things, and this is why mechanisms like market capitalization to GDP, right, the historical Buffett indicator, why they have historically worked. Withdrawals are always going to be a function of asset value. Contributions are always going to be a function of incomes. And you mention a world which we are savings rich, right? We are accumulating resources. Eventually, you get to the point at which the withdrawals exceed the contributions. And if under almost any model that can be run, that becomes violent in its unwind. Mike, tell me- That's the opportunity. Yeah, I hear that. The, so have you, the, I was writing again today and just talking about, it would seem the need, the yin and yang, like the, we invent belief systems. People need to invent belief systems. And a belief system has an iconic adulation of a God but for, yep. every, for every god, you need a devil. And you, the wave between them is this notion of fear, which seems to guide mm -hmm. behavior, yeah? Is there any record of periodic fear coming in and disrupting the fun flow for the vanguards and stuff? If we go back and we look at those moments like COVID and we look at the moments of kind of 2018 when Jay was 
in his first installation of trying to hike rates and then he got a 20% decline in the S&P and he pulled back. And of course, you can go back further periodically, little crisis. Is there a hidden indicator that shows a kind of a fear distress level where people stop sending the checks or they ju it's just a smooth function, it comes what may? So the quick answer is yes, there are a few examples. And I would highlight events like the August 2015 flash crash in U.S. equity markets that is ostensibly tied to the devaluation of the Chinese yuan. Right? The Chinese yuan devalued on August 12th. Yep. U.S. equity markets collapsed on August 24th. Either the news came over on a junket from China and the slowest possible information flow that ever occurred or something else actually happened. And if you actually dig into the dynamics of what happened on August 24th, 2015, it appears that Vanguard attempted to rebalance a series of funds selling U.S. equities and buying international bonds. Similar dynamics can actually point to the behavior around the flash crash in May 2010. And by the way, those dates are actually somewhat suspicious because Vanguard used to rebalance its target date funds every five years right, on five-year increments. Today, it does so on a continuous basis. All those types of modifications effectively just buy you liquidity and time. If I make lots of small adjustments, I reduce the impact of those types of things, those types of events, right? But it just camouflages effectively the scale components. And I would highlight that similar dynamics occurred in the change in market index construction from market cap weighted prior to 2004, the float weighted after 2004, right? Prior to 2004, when money would flow into a Vanguard index fund, it would try to buy twice as many shares of Microsoft as were actually available. Anytime you try to buy twice as much of something, it's naturally going to go up more. This is precisely the behavior that we saw with Chinese stocks in the summer of 2000, in the December 2014 to June 2015 timeframe. So we've seen these types of dynamics, and I just emphasize for people, the world's scariest thing that I heard coming out of the COVID events was the observation from Vanguard that less than 1% of their clients tried to sell. My reaction to that is, oh my God, what if it had been two? Indeed, yeah. The tyranny of small margins. Okay, so Mike, again, I was thinking a bit today, and again, the great stimulation of having people reach out and call you an idiot, etc. But I was wondering, what would I do differently? So there you were, and you were responsible for speculative assets, hedge funds, et al. And you picked up a body of experience and, and you, an excellent record and everything. Is there anything you would do differently? And let me phrase that in the sense that I think the answer is, of course, you would do everything differently because you've got a whole data set. And if you just go back and repeat the same thing, A, life's boring and I don't think you're going to advance. And I've, I've come to the, my understanding, if I was starting today, God forbid, if I was like 32 or something. So the quick answer is I would continue to participate, but just like you did in 2008, I would figure out ways to hedge. In my view, you're articulating one of them recognize that the base of the system in the form of U.S. government bonds, you're about to see a major issuance. You're about to see the system be forced to absorb this as the debt ceiling comes to an end. This is creating a real test of the system. Can it absorb the base layer asset? Forget everything else that comes around it. The second component is if I'm right, it becomes really straightforward. 
options are mispriced because the models in which they operate, this idea of drift, this idea of frictionless markets on which things like put call parity and risk neutral arbitrage are framed are fundamentally flawed, right? You cannot simultaneously have inelastic markets and have risk neutral arbitrage pricing. It doesn't exist. I think we're actually seeing the implications of this. I think it's telling you that things like what we would traditionally refer to as the Grossman-Stiglitz paradox is breaking down. The simple reality is we have a model in which the system relies on the idea that the vast majority of people are actively setting prices, right? We have a model in which the idea is that people are actively setting prices and it's an information flow dynamic. I just don't think that's true anymore. So there you have it. Squiz, squiz, the screen starts to distort because we're losing Mike into the Patreon members only zone. I'd so love for more of you to join us on Patreon. We're recording. We're just letting the camera roll. And so I wouldn't wish for you to miss out. And also for the first thousand members, we are offering full access to me on a WhatsApp messaging system where you can hit me if you're looking for mentoring, if you're confused. I can't give investment advice, but I can give you asset capitalist wisdoms, the things that I've learned over the journey, licking the razor's edge. Hey, become an asset capitalist. Mm -hmm.